Hello, Internet, and welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, Neil Cordray, and I am joined this week by potentially the fan of my air conditioner, but that's about it. Um, due to some issues with uh, timing, scheduling, and fatigue, uh, we weren't able to record this uh, this last week. And uh, I'm actually re-recording this intro here because this episode's pretty much an entire episode late. I do apologize in that particular regard. Um, I also had some problems with my internet. I had most of this done um, well before it was uploaded, except for this bit we're recording here right now, but uh, I didn't have any upload speed at all on my internet. I could download things just fine, but I had no up. It was really weird. Um, it's also why, um, hopefully, the, the plan here is to record another episode um, the Wednesday that this episode goes live, have another episode go up on Saturday, and then have another episode the following week to catch us up in terms of episode count. Um, I'll have to discuss that with the guys, but uh, we hope to have that occur. In the meantime, this is an episode that's been kicking around in my head for a while now, and uh, I wanted to kind of get to it. So without further ado, we're going to begin discussion of my top 10 favorite musical solos. Um, first off, though, some rules. Rule number one, this is my own personal taste in music. Um, we will discover over the course of listening to uh, these solos, as well as my commentary on them, and yes, I'm calling this commentary. I do believe this falls under the uh, statute of free use, and I'm sure it's probably still going to get copyright claimed on YouTube, but such is the way of things. Not like I make money off YouTube anyway, so that's fine. Um, but, <laughs> um, rules. Um, I'm limiting, um, I'm limiting this to one solo per musical, uh, group, so that, um, my number one group doesn't come in with, like, four or five different song, uh, four or five different pieces. Um, I am not counting anything where, I, I am counting, so I'm not counting anything where multiple instruments are, are playing the same... Uh, are playing the same solo at the same time, so sorry, Freebird's out. Also, it's really long, and uh, I'm trying to keep my use down to uh, reasonable amounts. And, uh, and, uh, three, um, the solo must be, um, m must be from a band that is, um, is part of a, that is a band, not just a solo act. Like, um, I really like, uh, I can't think of the artist, give me a second here. I really like Eric Johnson's uh, piece, Cliffs of Dover. It, it's, it's, I think, a fantastic piece, but it's a piece written for solo guitar. Um, and yeah, there, I think there's some, some drums in the background, but, um, like, it, it's, it's just a solo guitar piece. Uh, that's not what we're including. We are including pieces that are ensemble pieces, um, that have... A recognizable solo piece to it. Um, oh yeah, and uh, one other rule that I forgot to write down when I was writing this uh, this script outline here, because yeah, I'm actually using a slight script outline. Uh, this no, um, I'm also not including any live uh, show performances. Um, these are all every uh, every solo that we're getting here is something that we got that that we got off of a studio album, and I'm so I'm not even including like. Live show, live show performances that were then re released on, like, I'm, I'm talking, these were studio recordings. 
Um, so that's about that's a, about it. Um, not all of these uh, not all of these um, pieces are um, like some of them are are like are yeah, I'm not even sure how to really phrase this. We're we're not limiting ourselves to a single instrument um, or a single genre or the existence or non-existence of lyrics in a song. Uh, we're just, like I said, one per band, no live performances, no duets, and larger ensemble pieces. Um, I suppose we should go ahead and get started with a uh, with our number 10. Okay, so, number 10. Um, so, I've said this a few times, um, but uh, I, at least I think I've mentioned it a couple times on... on uh, on the uh, podcast, but I play the violin, or at least I did in uh, in in school. Haven't actually picked up my violin in um, ten years. Pretty sure the muscle memory's still there if I were to try if I were try to to try and pick it up. But I'd, I'd definitely have to practice to get to the point where I would be anything resembling competent again. Um, but uh, as a result of that, there is a my head is filled not only with uh, with classic rock and, you know, and things along those lines, but I've got a lot, a fair bit of uh, classical music um, in my head as well. So I thought perhaps we would start our countdown with um, the, uh, with the uh, solo, with the uh, first primary solo piece from Movement 3 of Antonio Vivaldi's piece, Summer, uh, from the Four Seasons Suite. Um... Now, I've said Vivaldi, I've said classical music, technically it's Baroque music, but um, we'll get into, like, that. that's a technicality that uh, most people call it classical music, um, when really, like, the term that gets used if you play it a lot is art music, more, more than anything else, um, because um, it's kind of artsy-fartsy, or at least it's perceived as such, so uh, let's listen. Yes, to keep the use as fair as possible here, we're only going to be uh, listening to the parts that I'm talking about. Uh, so, summer, uh, the third movement of summer is uh, is a presto. It's uh, it's representat it's representational of a of a of a uh, some of a uh, a summer thunderstorm. Um, and um, the and like the, the feeling that I always get from uh, from from this is is really kind of the whipping the wind whipping around. Um, it's a lovely, fantastic, fantastic piece. Um, the whole the like the entire Four Seasons is is excellent, but Summer is definitely my favorite of the suite. Um, um, and I I just gotta say like um, it, it's so technically difficult. Like um. As we'll get into here, you'll 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 notice I tend to have a uh, a, a uh, I tend to have an affinity for solos that are more rapid in nature um, in terms of the play uh, because it shows a, a greater amount of technical capability um, that uh, makes a very good use of uh, of uh, tremolo um, bow playing style um, and a lot of uh, double stops and. And uh, and like string crossing, it's 
I've I've looked at the sheet music for it before, and it is it, it is it is very complicated. And I don't know. I it just it's one of my fa- Four Seasons Summer is one of my favorite pieces, and I feel like it it really deserved as a result to get on this list somewhere. Are there better pieces out there? Mm, yeah, probably. Um, are there better pieces for solo violin? Absolutely. Um, if we weren't doing, uh, if I weren't doing four solo, like has to be part of a greater ensemble because this is a, this is a concerto um, played with a full uh, string orchestra. Um, if we were just doing four solo violin, it would absolutely be Niccolo Paganini's Caprice Number no. Two, um, which is one of the most technically demanding pieces of music in. Um, in classical world um, and is just mind-blowingly awesome and it's also like six minutes long I do highly recommend checking out uh, Paganini's uh, all of his caprices but especially I believe I'm pretty sure it's number two give me a second no no I'm sorry it's not number two although number two is really great too no I'm sorry I'm uh, thinking of caprice number 24 um please forgive me music nerds Paganini wrote a number of wrote a bunch of caprices, um, and yeah, no, it's twenty four. That's really just so very, 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 very excellent, um, and has been rearranged for like every instrument under the sun too. Um, but um, to stop digressing, um, summer like I don't know. I remember falling in love with this piece such a long time ago. It's just sort of baked into my. In, into my memory and and to a certain amount there's there's a nostalgia filter here there's going to be a lot that for a lot of these pieces i don't necessarily claim that any of these are the best solos for their respective instruments or from these their respective bands although a couple of them are pretty generally agreed upon but they are um by my estimation my favorite um solos so that was uh, Vivaldi, uh, Movement Three, Summer. Um, my my copy of this recording is really really old. Um, like like I said, I've had it since since like late middle school, early high school. I do not know who the soloist is. I'm sorry, um, or even really where it was. Like I just had it for so, such a long time. I just have it in digital form at this point, so I'm not sure who all did it. But it's a great little piece. All right. So then, we're going to go on to number nine. So, um, it's interesting, you know, that, that, that I play the, the violin, um, and yet, when it comes down to musical phrasings, I am a sucker for a, I, I am more of a sucker for a, for low, um, for low notes than I am for high notes. Um, I really wish that, um, when I was, uh, Let's see, how old was I? I was like, I guess I was six. Um, I had been offered to, um, my, my brother was taking trumpet lessons. And so I would go to where the, like, it was a little, like, music academy for homeschoolers, because we were homeschooled. And I had been offered uh, the chance to maybe learn violin the next year, but we were moving away so I wasn't going to get the chance. I really kind of wish that my brother's trumpet teacher had instead recommended to me a cello because I think honestly I would pref- have preferred it more. Um, all that being said, um, I really like low uh, low notes and excellent bass lines, um, which is 
a very roundabout way to get to what we're going to talk about to my number nine piece, which is the uh, the bass opening uh, riff and line from uh, Hysteria by Muse. So like I said, I'm a I'm a sucker for a really good bass groove, and that is just it, it it's got it's it's such a driving pounding um like it it really it's it sets the it sets the stage and mood for the rest of the song so perfectly um because I mean, hysteria has a certain amount of uh, of desperation uh, musically to it, and this is sort of like is building the tension. And I mean, yeah, some of that is also the uh, the uh, the guitar um, slide in the background. And yeah, we're like, yes, I realize that hey, there's more multiple instruments playing, but the guitar glissandoing up there isn't really like it, it's it's just kind of there. Um, what matters and what is the focus of the piece is the is the bass just just going along and um once again yes it's a faster piece i like faster pieces um but also it it uh, demonstrates something it's actually really hard to do especially when you are playing something fast um which is uh which is maintaining a steady rhythm um the the solo from summer um because it is entirely a solo, like the violinist stands up and just plays their bit, they can really do that as fast or as slow as as they want and as they have agreed upon with the with the conductor. Um, they have the ability to sort of you know you you can embellish. Um, this is a different beast altogether because it it has to, it 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 is one the bass is typically regarded and relegated to the concept of a, of a rhythm instrument so you have to maintain a steady rhythm because that's kind of what is just expected of you and two um because it is part of an ensemble piece you've got some drum beats you've got the guitar thing going in the back you have to be you you have to be at a steady rhythm there also it's a it's a small band dynamic as opposed to an orchestral dynamic um why did I pick Hysteria um, as opposed to any of the other great uh, bass riffs and licks that I could? Because um, it was the one that kind of jumped into my mind when I said, man, what's a really good bass line? Um, the other thing that most people might think, well, well what, about, uh, what about Seven Nation Army? Not actually a bass line. Um, it's actually a guitar that is, um, that is pitched down an octave uh, through post-processing. Um, also, um, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love Seven Nation Army. It's a fantastic groove as well. Um, but I like Hysteria more and this is my list. So, mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I have less to say about this one than I did about Summer, but that's because like I only discovered Muse, discovered Muse. I, I only was personally introduced to Muse about, uh, I guess what junior year of college, so yeah, shit, long time, longer, longer ago than I would like to than I would like to admit. Time passes, by the way, everyone. Take that, take that as a takeaway. Um, 
It's really, it's really kind of daunting, and since there isn't a Ben around to make an obligatory Ben is old joke, um, Neil's not getting any younger either. Um, sometimes I have difficulty realizing that I'm over 30, so... Yeah, I'm over 30, by the way. Alright, well, um, that was fun. Let's go on to number 8. <laughs> so, number 8, um, is probably the first song that's gonna get copyright, copy, uh, copyright claim on, uh, on YouTube. Um, <laughs> I am just kind of accepting there are bots that, that, that claim all, everyone's music, and, um, I don't know how cool Muse is, but, um, from what I understand, uh, Dire Straits is not as cool about it. And uh, this would be the ending solo from uh, The Sultans of Swing. Let's listen. Once again, are there better guitar solos? Well, yeah, this is only number eight, and um, there are um, there are more guitar solos to come, because the guitar is the violin of the uh, rock and roll um, of, of the rock and roll um, genre. Um, everybody loves the guitar, so every so the guitar gets all the love. Um, same with like uh, violins are I, I feel are, are as much as I play them um, are overrepresented. Um, <laughs> They get all the love, everybody wants to play the fiddle, everybody wants to be the next Lindsey Sterling, nobody really wants to be the next Yo-Yo Ma, which is a real shame. I mean, yes, people want to be the next Yo-Yo Ma, but they don't get any, they don't get any attention. Um, and that's a shame, but still, guitars. Um, I, I, um, The Sultans of Swing is one of my favorite rock songs of all time. Um, mostly actually because of the um, the guitar riff between, um, between the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the verses and choruses, the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
and a piece called Classical Gas, which is an entirely solo piece, even though I would argue is an entirely solo piece, even though it has some other instruments at the very end. But um, I never really had the time and the patience to practice to get anywhere near that good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it was, uh, it's great. To, it's, it's a great piece. Um, now, this is where my own rule comes to bite me in the ass. There is a live uh, recording version of this song, of, of this song, which has uh, a solo that's like eight minutes long and is way better. Um, I can't remember where it was recorded, um, but I couldn't use that one because it was a live recording. Um, but uh, is honestly the uh, the superior um, the superior um, piece. See if I can find uh, the live on the YouTube's here. Uh, yeah, from uh, the Alchemy Live. It's on Dire Straits' Vivo, um, and is very, very much worth checking out. Um, just because it's it's just got a really great. Uh, it's just fantastic, and and really just kind of he he gets to just the, the the guitar player for Dire Straits, whose name I don't know off the top of my head. Um, let's check him out real quick. Um, Mark Knopfer. Um, I'm sorry, I don't really learn people's names. Um, he he really gets to just kind of show off and strut his shuff, strut his shuff, strut his stuff uh, for quite a bit, and just it's it's excellent. Um, huh. um, yeah, I don't have quite as much to say about this one either. Um, had a lot to say about summer because it's uh, it's a lot more personal. I've, I I loved this piece since I was a kid. It was going on a list somewhere. I was actually kind of surprised that it ended up at uh, number eight. Um, and if I were to reorder these again three weeks from now, it might be in a different spot. But this is where I put it today. Uh, so, <laughs> um, Dire Straits. Um, they have a, a lot of good music. Um, and uh, Money for Nothing sucks. Yeah, I said it. Um, I love, I absolutely love the guitar, uh, the, the guitar arrangement for Money for Nothing. The song falls completely flat on its face without the music video. And even then, like, lyrically, it's, it's pretty boring. It's, oh, I wish I could, I could, I wish I were in a rock and roll band. Um, and I mean, yes, I realize it was written for the music video as well, and this is going far afield of topic, but, uh, Welcome to Geek Fanthology, everybody. Um, but the, they could have put better lyrics to that excellent uh, guitar to the to that excellent to the excellent bits of instrumental, and it could have been an all-time classic as opposed to something that really only got popular because of MTV. Yeah, I said it. <coughs> um, all right, um, we're gonna go on to number seven. So number seven is the opening um, is the uh, opening to Crazy on You um, by Heart. Um, like I said, I'm pretty confident that this was played uh, with a finger picking style as opposed to with an actual pick. Now I could be wrong. I don't really know, but it feels like it. It, it, it sounds like it was. So I'm actually checking right now because. I'm recording this at my uh, I'm recording this at my com at my computer and the internet is right here. Uh, da, 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 da. Doesn't really say, but uh, still a fantastic piece. Let's uh, let's listen. 
of goes into the uh, electric guitar, um, which is also a really fantastic riff. Um, so according to Wikipedia research, uh, apparently the intro song is technically its own song called Silver Wheels. Um, uh, but, you know, it's, um, it's just, it's pretty darn fantastic. Um, I have difficulty quantif- like, it's one of those songs where you know it's good, um, but it's, it's a little harder to kind of put your finger on, on why. I mean, it, it sounds really good, even though, like, the, the, the fingering is, uh, for the most part, the, the left-handed fingering, um, is, it's, it's just, it's just pull-offs, um, for the most part. Um, sounds great, though, doesn't it? Um, it's, um... It it, it 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 really is all practically its own piece, but um, it it comes it, it, it there's no track break in my recording of it, so <laughs> uh, because Crazy on You sounds almost entirely nothing um, like it. Um, I suppose at the end where where like she, where where, where uh, she plays just a little bit of uh, the little ending bit of uh, of the that uh, the descending scale, yeah. Um, oh, but. Uh, Heart Heart is a is a really is a really fantastic band who deserves all of the uh, all of the love that they got. They're just pretty darned excellent. Um, <clears throat> and the uh, Wilson sisters that are the heart of Heart, as you, if you will, um, are really just kind of amazingly fantastic. Um, they've had about a billion other uh, former members because. Well, they've been performing since 1973, which um, you know that'd be fi- that's 50 years in three in in three years. Uh, well, two and a half at this point. Jeez. Um, yeah, time has just been passing like crazy. I swear, two weeks ago it was April. I don't know where the year has gone. I'm getting really sick of it. Um, please continue to social distance and wear masks and wash your hands, people. It's we're not out of the woods yet. I know that all of us are starting to go a little bit stir crazy, because I am, and I re- and I never left the house before there was a pandemic, and now I, I I've been told I can't, which makes me really want to. Um, but um, please just continue to be safe, um, because we'll get through this all eventually. Um, back to uh, back to heart. Um, it was I mean it was going to be either this or the opening little bit from Barracuda. Um, I chose this one because I like it more. So there. All right, um, what's next? Oh, hey, more guitars. Um, very different genre, though. Um, I'm not going to give any preamble to this one. I'm just going to go ahead and play it, and then we'll come back in afterwards. So here we are with number six. Let's listen. That, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is the uh, guitar break from track two of Daft Punk's second album, Discovery. Um, and I knew something from Discovery was going to make it on this list. Um, it was going to be either th- uh, that piece there 
or um, the guitar solo from uh, or the guitar solo from uh, from Digital Love, the next album, the next the next track. Um, or really, like if I wanted to to bend my rules, I could have made it the guitar vocorder uh, solo from Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. But I went with this one um, because I don't know. I I it, it's just a loop. Um, it's not technically impre- like it's not super technically impressive. But um, really, this one kind of breaks down because of. Uh, like th- this one makes it on its list on the list and makes it and and this album makes it on the list because of personal history and story. Um, Discovery was the first um, music album that I owned that was not Christian music. Um, I was raised in a uh, I was I was raised in a in a I wouldn't say conservative Christian environment, but I was like we had classical music and we had Christian music in the house. And I'm not, and like I said, I'm not complaining. Um, I tend to uh, be a little bit more complicated in my religious beliefs these days, but I don't begrudge my parents raising me the way they did. Um, I love you, Mama and Daddy, very much. Um, and I owned a few albums before that. Um, some really fan, like fantastic uh, musical groups because Christian music in the '90s didn't suck. It really kind of sucks these days, but it didn't suck in the '90s. Um, but this was the first album that I owned that was secular um and that that hasn't that had an impact on me I I mean we we listened to the like we didn't exclusively listen to Christian music it was just the first um we listened to a lot of oldies we listened to a fair bit of classic rock um on road trips and the like because you know that's that's what played on the radio um and we own, and my dad owns a crap ton of of secular music. It's it's from him that I get my appreciation of jazz, um, which will make it onto this list. Um, but um, this one was mine, um, and it was a it was a genre that my parents didn't really like, didn't really have any any sort of any uh, any sort of like this this was mine. This wasn't someone else's influence. This was my music. Um, and I listened to it a lot. Um, I got interested in it um, because I was interested in anime. And uh, way back when, uh, Toonami Midnight Run did a did did a special uh, stream a special uh, thing where they did uh, music videos. Uh, the first four tracks from Discovery um, as uh, as an anime music video, which later uh, which it which turns out actually was. Um, just the first four tracks from a uh, <coughs> from an entire album of uh, of anime um, of, of uh, w- w- the entire Discovery album um, animated by uh, Leiji Matsumoto um, of uh, of Galaxy Express Three Nine fame, um, which is a, a movie that I own a, a DVD that I own called Interstellar Four Five uh, or Interstellar Five 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 Five, but it, I believe it's actually supposed to be called Four Five, um, and it's. It's the first bit of the story, um, and at the time, I just thought it was oh hey these cool four these four cool music videos because um, on, on top on top of that they also played um, uh, the the, uh, the the first three uh, gorillas uh, music videos and a couple others that I can't remember. Um, 
There's one called Hellbent, which was really, really good, and I can't remember anything. Like, I, I don't, like, I don't remember much about it other than, like, it was really kind of sad and depressing because it was about, like, using the spark of joy and creativity to become famous and wealthy and losing that joy in the process, and it was really kind of sad. It was, like, the, the fears of selling out. Um, um, uh... Mark Osborne's uh, More was, um, it was a short film and used the song Hellbent. Or maybe it was the song More, I'm not sure, but man, it was, it, it was good. I remember that. Like, it was, it was dark and haunting and depressing. Um, but Daft Punk was on there, and I really liked their music. Like, I didn't get irritated by their, uh, by their loops, which these days I kind of do a little bit, like... Their like homework and homework. Their first album and Discovery, their second album, um, definitely did a lot of. Hi, let's repeat the same the same four noise the the same four bars over and over and over again and layer stuff on top, um, which is a perfectly fine uh, if you do it in a pretty rapid um, in a pretty rapid iteration. Uh, pr the problem is. I always feel like they let those four bars repeat, like, three or four times instead of the one or two times they really need to before they add the next layer. Um, don't get me wrong, I, I, I like, I really like uh, them, and, and their more recent albums are fantastic, and oh man, oh man, check out, um, check out their album, their, their albums, um, Alive, uh, 97 and 2007, I believe, give me a second, um, Give me a second. It's definitely 2007. Um, come on. Yes, Alive 1997, Alive 2007. I was correct, especially 2007, because holy crap do they put up together just an amazing live show, because they're, like, Daft Punk is, like, musically speaking, they're disc jockeys. That That's where they come from. Um, they are... Um, they're, they're really good at mixing and they're, they're really good at mixing and looping and things along those lines, which is an absolute strength. Um, their studio work tends to fall flat because they, <coughs> because I, I feel like they, they, I don't know, they're, they're a little bit kind of hemmed in by it a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, definitely check out, um, Daft Punk's 2007, Alive 2007 album. Um, or I'm sure there's video of it on YouTube, because um, it's just it's just really excellent. Um, but back to uh, back to aerodynamic. That's the name of the piece. I love the I, I love the 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 very classic guitar effect uh, pedaling on it. Like I don't know a better way to put a better way to put what it makes me think about. But it it reminds me of like. When you, when you, when you, uh, you know, you mime an electric guitar, um, always kind of has that, that little bit of, uh, has that kind of, that, that kind of whiny, that, that whiny bit to the back end of it. And all I can really say is that, is that, that, elect, that, that guitar effect makes me think of sort of the, the quintessential sound of a guitar, um, and uh, newsflash: When we get to uh, three and two, we're gonna hear that. We're gonna hear similar effects, and and it'll be why I think we why everyone thinks of those as the classic uh, things because there are definitely some 
no-duh stereotypical choices coming up here in a bit. Um, more and more I'm thinking I really should have used the uh, the solo from Digital Love instead. Um, but I've already recorded this, and I'm not going to record it again. Check out Digital Love as well. Hell, check out that whole album. It's a great album. Or check out Interstellar 4 or 5, because it's a really good, like, it's a pretty darn good story. Uh, the music, like, the music and the story are sort of ancillary to each other. Like, the one could exist without the other. Um, except, of course, like, it tells the story of a band. Um, but... <laughs> Still, um, check that out. Um, we're going to go on now to number five. So, we've had a violin, we've had a bass, uh, we've had three guitars. Some of you are probably asking, Neil, where's the love for the keyboard? And the answer comes in here at uh, number five. Um, there are a few really, there are a few, um, there are a few choices that, that really kind of, um, kind of jumped to mind. Um, and one of them, I think, well, it sounds good, is I think maybe a little overrated. Um, and that would be The Who's Baba O'Reilly. Um, great piece. Um, a very worthy inclusion. It's one of my honorable mentions, and I'll mention it again when I get to honorable mentions after number two, but um, it didn't make the cut. Um, um, uh, Come on, baby, light my fires opening. Also would have been a, uh, a um, worthy inclusion. But instead, I went... Um, with uh, Boston. Boston's a great band. Um, um, uh, it's foreplay slash long time. Foreplay is the, uh, the intro before they go into the actual, um, into the song. I really like Boston a lot. Like, they're, they, I, they, they, Boston is a big fan of, uh, of trills. Um, like, the, uh, it, the, like, it, it sounds very much specifically like the Scottish trill, um, where you hit a note, and then you hit, like, two notes above it, and then go back down, um, a, as in, like, in More Than a Feeling, where they, where he goes, ba da 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 that little thing there, that is very much, like, Boston loves that particular little trill, um, which I'm not complaining about, um, um, however... We're talking about the, the, the we're talking about um of about an organ piece in this particular case keyboard piece foreplay um let's listen to it and then we'll get back in. The real solo piece uh, there actually keeps going for a good long while, um, but uh, I'm trying to keep these uh, limited to to uh, parts of the solo that, that really follow my rules, because technically what happens then is the guitar comes in and joins it, and then leaves the, the organ again for a while. Um, <coughs> organ's definitely the star of the show. I'm talking so much, I need to get some water. Give me just a moment. So you probably don't even... You, so I actually just paused the recording and went and got some water, but it actually did take a second, so... Um, <laughs> uh, once again, we, we get... We, we, uh, we feel what I, what I tend to have a large appreciation of. Uh, rapid play and, uh, and sort of a, 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 a kind of dark aesthetic. This is a, it's in a minor key, um, <sighs> um, which really plays to, uh, to the uh, organ's... Um, strengths, and it's just, uh, it's really just fantastic and excellent. Um, 
Apparently, it's the first uh, piece of music that was written by uh, Tom Stoltz, um, who is uh, the founder of Boston. It was also their, the second album. On, it was also the second single on their eponymous album, uh, first album. Um, it's. Uh, I feel like Boston just doesn't get enough love. Um, even though, yeah, sure, they're one of those bands that people, everyone knows a couple Boston songs, but I don't think anyone ever really kind of, like, Boston is one of those bands that I don't think really jumps to anyone's mind when they think of, uh, when they think of classic rock, which I think is a shame. Um, yeah, the kind of going up round and around and around, and it really builds layers, and I really wish I could, that I could have picked the, like, I could have just played the rest of the song, but one... Uh, fair use and requires that you uh, that you really only kind of use the amounts of music that you're commenting on, and two, um, it would have broken my own rules. Uh, <laughs> so, um, it's just it's just such an excellent piece um, that I, I highly recommend checking out the band Boston. Um, that's really all I have to say in the matter. And so I suppose we should uh, move on to uh, number four. Um, number four goes back to the violin. Um, or really, more accurately, it goes to the fiddle, which, um, yeah, violin and fiddle are technically the same instrument, but it's, it, it's a, it's a variation in the manner of, in the manner of play that really, like, violin skills and fiddle skills are not interchangeable. Um, I can play classical violin pretty well. I can't make, I can't play a fiddle tune that sounds particularly good, even though I've played this piece before. Uh, well, actually not this piece. Um, this is, this is a follow-up piece. Um, from the Charlie Daniels band, um, which a lot of people forget, like, everyone's heard of, 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 uh, of the original, um, um, but not as many people, um, are familiar with the follow-up, The Devil Comes Back to Georgia. Um, it, uh, it, uh, was also by the Charlie Daniels band, um, and, um, has a, um, do 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 has uh, featuring credits <laughs> um, of uh, Johnny Cash and uh, Mark O'Connor, um, also Travis Pitt and uh, Marty Stewart. Um, um, it's really just fantastic, and uh, we'll uh, you're about to hear why. You may want to check to make sure that your socks have not just been blown off. Um, musically speaking, uh, the the song "The Devil Comes Back to Georgia" um, and "The Devil Went Down to Georgia" are identical um, up until that bit right there. Um, it's the same solos. Uh, the um, like the the, de- the devil and the initial uh, Johnny playing the fiddle uh, with lyrics bits musically are the same um but mark o'connor um who was the one who who uh who played that bit uh put a little bit of who put that insane insane combination of of uh tremolo bowing and uh and 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 slurred um uh fingering and double stops and, and and string crosses 
that insane little bit um, that was his little that, that was the the part that he put in and is so so very hard because he quadruples the 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 note because he he takes what was initially subdivided into eighth notes um, in the in the original sheet and subdivides them into thirty second notes um, because you've got four notes for like. Like it's it's he quadruples the number of, of notes in the same in, in the same amount of space, um, which I realize I just said, but not everybody speaks music. Um, I played the Devil Came Back to Georgia or went went down to Georgia um, in high school. Uh, we we picked it out um, and played it for some assemblies, and I actually got to be the narrator for the song. Um, one of the few solo solo things I got to do because I knew all the lyrics um, and. Uh, Someone and uh, someone else played the devil. Someone else played Johnny, but I said everything else and uh, play and then you know everybody played the the music. We had some soloists. I also got to play one of the solos. Um, and I learned all the solos. Um, and like I know all the notes that are in that little bit that we that got played. Even when I was at my at at the peak of my of, of my skills as as a violin player, I would never have been able to hope or dream that I would be able to play like that. Um, I have a deep, I have a deep appreciation of music. I love music, but I can't express it very well. Um, I can't hear harmony very well. Like, like, like I can't, oh, 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 like I can tell when something is harmonizing, but like my mom, when she sings, she can just pick out the harmonies and sing the harmonies. I can't do that. Um, it's kind of, it kind of depresses me a little bit, but that, that is just so amazingly crazily fantastically good um that it really deserves more people knowing about it because i mean not very many people know it exists um but it's fantastic <clears throat> and uh is worth checking out so um on to uh numbers three and two which probably really could be interchangeably mixed um they are the solos that anyone who knows musical solos and has realized that I like classic rock is they're just expecting. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead with number three. And if Sultan's a Swing didn't get me a copyright claim on YouTube, that that track just did. Um, Led Zeppelin doesn't d like tends to claim things, and so will my next group, by the way, too. So hello, copyright deadlock, um, where multiple groups are going to claim are going to try and claim the the song at the the, the, the video at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's um, it, in case you are just 
in, in case you're just insane, um, that that that's the uh, that's the guitar solo from Stairway to Heaven. Um, there is a reason uh, that it is considered by many to be one of the best guitar solos of all time. It's because it is. Um, once again, we get into uh, we get into what I was talking about with um, with kind of that whiny, sad um, effect to the guitar um, that just like it, it embodies classical ro- classic rock to me um, because of this song and because of the next song. Um, apparently, they got really sick of playing it. Um, um, I mean, it, it's it's so very very excellent, um, and they um, they they played it live so many times because they just couldn't escape it. Um, but they didn't like playing it after a while because they just kind of got sick of it. Um, but damn, is it a good piece? Um, also, backmasking. Let's talk about that real quick. Um, Apparently, if there's a bustle in your hedgerow, don't be alarmed now. Um, if you play it backwards, it, it actually says, here's to my sweet Satan. Except it doesn't. Uh, really, really, really doesn't. Um, <laughs> but, you know, this was in the time when rock and roll will damn your soul. Um, and, um... Um, actually good uh let's see how many years let's see uh good one year uh and and then just one year before larry norman released his uh his piece why should the devil have all the good music um um larry norman was uh was one of the pioneers of the jesus music movement movement by the way which was the which was the christian music that i listened to primarily um which is it's christian rock um it's christian classic rock and is just so very much excellent. Um, um, but yeah, backmasking's a load of a load of bollocks. Um, don't listen to anybody who like it, it's it's bullshit. Um, other interesting little bits of uh, of trivia. Um, it's it's um, <laughs> Stairway to Heaven goes so long without the drums coming in. It's uh, it's actually right before we get to if there's you know. Whether or not there's a bustle in your hedgerow. Um. <laughs> so the drummer just kind of sat there for like the first two minutes of a of a seven minute song, just kind of waiting. Do 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 do. Not. I, I, I'll get to hit a button. I'll, I'll get to, to to smack a drum here eventually. <laughs> like musically, the song's all over the place, but it's it's just so good and that solo is so iconic um there's there's so like i almost don't have anything to say because there's too much to say but also it's all been said already um zep definitely deserves all of the kudos that it gets for uh for influencing music and i like the beatles you don't necessarily have to like them but you have to recognize that they're influential so intrepid listeners who have made it through the about hour that I've been talking here with brief musical interludes. Well done, by the way. Yes, this is the longest top ten I've ever recorded, but uh, got I got things to say. Um, how many of you have already guessed what number two is? And then have also asked, well, what the hell's number one? Um, well, 
Number one is gonna be number one because it's my list, damn it. But number two is probably what everyone has guessed. Um, I, I will I will wait here for five seconds, let people type in the comments whether or not they uh, they guessed it. All right, did you guess it? Was it the first solo from Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd? You're right, you were right? Good job! So, fun story. Um, yes, I do really honestly believe that's probably the greatest guitar solo of all time. Um, the only one that might be better than that is potentially Stairway to Heaven. Like, I go back and forth. It's just so, so excellent. And yeah, the second solo is also pretty damned excellent as well. But I actually really prefer the first one. Um, it's so slow and sad and mournful. Um, and I promised you a funny story, and I didn't get to that. Funny story, I saw Pink, the, the movie, Pink Floyd's The Wall, at like 14 or 15. Um, I was way too young uh, to have seen it at the time. Um, it, it still causes minor, um, minor um, depressive episodes in me to this day. Um... Not, not like listening to that album, The Wall, which is a shame because it's such a good album. Um, but um, I don't know, watching kids walk into a meat grinder when you're 14 years old while they're wearing creepy masks um, and you're watching it at like two in the morning on VH1 um, because you were sleeping on the couch um, because uh, really the reason you were sleeping on the couch was so you could watch late night TV. Not like not like porn or anything. We didn't have like there wasn't any of that to watch, but there was there were things to watch. It was mostly Toonami Midnight Run, um, but then like VH1 played The Wall, and I watched it because I was an idiot. Um, and I'm not trying to shame people who watch porn either. Just like that wasn't me. Um, asexual, remember? I don't really I don't get that. Um, <laughs> I don't really get the appeal of pornography. I'm weird. Um, in any case, um, um, geez, it's such a good, like, it's so, it's slow and expressive and mournful and embodies sort of, like, because The Wall is a big concept album, it, in, it embodies, like, what's going on in the story at the time, too, with, like, the alienation and depression experienced by the protagonist of the story, um, which I believe is, he's called Pink, um, in the movie. Um, and he's talking and it's talking about becoming medicated and numb uh, so that you can continue to, to live, but also sort of the loss of childhood dream and like it's a really fantastic piece. I love the piece. I wish I could listen to it without my mind clouding over with dark thoughts. Um, I, I'm better than I used to be, but uh, don't even get me started on welcome to the machine to welcome to the machine. I still can't listen to that song. Which is a shame, because it's such a good song. Um, so yeah, that was number two. Now, all of you are probably thinking, well, what the hell, that's number two? 
what's the best solo? And, um, well, we'll get to that. But first, some honorable mentions. Uh, these honorable mentions are not going to have audio accompaniment. Just some uh, quick things to throw out there. Um, the entirety of the song off the off the top, Line Dance, by Bela Fleck and the Flecktones, off of Little Worlds One, um, which is a total cop out, which is why it wasn't on my was it why it wasn't on my my uh, official list. Um, because what it is, it is solo after solo after solo after solo, and I couldn't really just pick one. Um, it's really great. Uh, check out Bela Fleck and the Flecktones. Um, um, <sighs> Like that, the, despite the fact that 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 all that all of them are very big like solo artists, like every single one of the members is, performs solo music, um, it's actually kind of hard to 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 pick out actual music like instrumental solos from their piece because typically what they do is like everybody gets a like on when they perform live, everybody gets like five to ten minutes to just noodle around on their instrument while no one else is out is even on stage so most of their actual musical stuff that they play um, is uh, most of their the actual musical stuff that they play is um, uh, my, my brain just kind of stopped is, is really more ensemble based there we go I couldn't think of I couldn't make words for a second but um, so yeah um, off the top uh, uh, um, off the top the line dance the last the, the last official track from uh, little worlds one off of from Bale Fleck and the Flecktones. Um uh the uh the um the um I can't make my brain make words suddenly, sorry. Um the uh solo, there's the I I've been saying it about a thousand billion times, but I couldn't make the word solo come out of my head. Um the the solo uh from the end of uh Gasoline by Audio Slave. Also really fantastic. Just barely, uh, just barely didn't make the cut. Other things that on, that just barely didn't make the cut, because um, there were a lot of things that just barely um, didn't make the cut. Um, um, the uh, the the uh, guitar solo from uh, from Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, the auto tune vo vocal solo from uh, um, from uh, man, I can't think of the the. It, the band is fun, but I can't think of, of what the the uh, some nights by fun uh, the vocal thing, which I had to throw out mostly on a technicality because really it's vocal and auto tune and that doesn't count. Um, um, and really, so many other uh, like there there are many things that that just I couldn't couldn't make the list because I either didn't think of them at the time when I was putting putting the list together or other such. Um, so. If I didn't include your favorite song, why didn't you tell me about it in the comments? Um, give me your own top tens. I'm, I'm interested in, I'm always interested in hearing good music, so please. Um, without further ado, my number one favorite musical solo is the saxophone solo from Yoko Kano's um, group Seatbelts from the album um, Cowboy Bebop OST. <laughs>
yeah, saxophone solo. I know, right? I haven't really, like, I've mentioned jazz a couple times, but I haven't gotten into it. And oh man, there's so many. I could have honestly probably picked out top ten favorite jazz solos. Hell, I could have easily picked out my top ten favorite solos from seatbelts. Uh, because they did a lot of music for a 23 episode, for a uh, 26 episode anime with one movie. Um, this was from the movie movie soundtrack. Um, the song is "What Planet Is This?" Um, <laughs> and I absolutely just love that piece. To, I love it to pieces. Um, I actually this is, and I actually I'll, I'll be honest. I actually prefer the. Um, the studio version to the three different live versions I've heard. Um, I feel like this one has the tightest groove. Because um, it, it's, it's all about the groove there. It's, it's high energy. I really like, I really like the, the bebop um, aesthetic of jazz, um, as, which, you know, it, obviously this very much in, it embodies because I mean, it's named after it. Um, I did, I, I I did a book report in high school about the life and times of Dizzy Gillespie, the one of the trumpeters that really helped to uh, sort of create the the genre, along with uh, Charlie Parker and Thelonious Monk. Like those three, Char, uh, Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker, and Thelonious Monk were really the spearhead of of the bebop movement. Um, And I just, I, like, I am almost continually, continuously gobsmacked by just how fantastic that piece is. It's, it's so clean. Like, you can, like, like, ev like every, every note is, is there in place intentionally and, like, it, it is the it is the work of a master improviser because it's definitely an improvised solo because every other time it's been done it's different um and and yeah i'm a little i'm a little biased cuz i love jazz um and jazz is a is a is a is a genre of solos uh primarily um Uh, so, another funny story. The original idea for this top ten list was going to be... I was going to still call it the same thing, top ten, Neil's top ten favorite solos. I was going to pick nine guitar solos, and then just have the tenth, the, the first one, number one, be this solo. Then it was pointed out by... Uh, and then my sister pointed out that uh, that would probably make a lot of people mad and would probably make more people mad than the people who would find it funny, so I didn't do that. Tell me if you think that would have been funny, by the way, because I think it would have been a riot. <laughs> um, I always knew that this was going to be the top of my list, and I can't really express why I love it as much as I do, other than... It's just so crisp and clean and technically impressive and just 
It's just amazing. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, that was my number one favorite solo in all of music. Um, I hope that you have enjoyed this uh, this brief break in uh, in, in uh, our usual fare. Uh, our next episode will be uh, we're going to talk about DRM. So straight back in the wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> I have been Neil, and you have been listening to Geek Fanthology, and uh, we hope you listen. You tune in again. Bye bye.